You know you've got to sing along. Don't you know? This is the Katniss HR Podcast, hosted by Jason Katniss. Join Jason as he talks to small business owners, founders, and people in tech startups in HR. If you fall into one of these categories or are just curious about them, then this is the podcast for you. You will gain great insights from these great conversations. The Cabinet HR Podcast is brought to you by Cabinet HR. At Cabinet HR, we deliver HR to companies with 49 or fewer people by automating the HR process. We believe that you don't need a full-time HR person to receive full-time HR expertise. Hello, and welcome to the Cabinet HR Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Cabinet. Our guest today is Amir Borman. Amir, are you ready to be great today? Absolutely. Amir is a co-founder of Elevano, a California-based recruitment company who helps hundreds of people find more fulfilling jobs every year. Amir is unique to the the recruiting industry because he's a former engineer himself and can still jot out a few lines of code. He's seen the technical recruiting game from both sides, and during his engineering career, he constantly saw agency recruiters take shortcuts and use his set of practices all for their own benefit. That's why in his current position as co-founder of Lovano, he encourages a candidate-centric approach to every aspect of technical, technical recruiting sales. His overriding desire is to smash the negative stigma left by current recruitment strategies and replacement with a more transparent, honest, and empathetic service offering. When he's not working, he enjoys spending time with his family and, tra- and traveling. He and his wife have a five-year-old daughter who keeps him busy with the latest trends of Disney cartoons. And you just might catch him humming Disney movie theme songs. Amir, thank you for being here today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. So what's, what do you focus on right now? What's keeping you busy? I mean, the market's just so tight in terms of, of labor that we found the challenge just getting to the timing of candidates and, and just fighting off multiple offers. So I think right now the clients are still you know, operating maybe as of, you know, two, three years ago where time was on their side, um, you know, candidates had less, uh, you know, options. And it seems like any candidate we touch is already talking, even passive people are. I talked to yesterday, a guy yesterday who was like, yeah, I'm passive. And I was like, well, help me understand what passive means. Cause passive might mean you have 10 interviews going on and you're just kicking around tires. And he was like, well, actually, to be honest with you, I've got three or four people I'm talking to. So I go, you're, you're going on site. You're not passive, my friend. You are actively <laughs> interviewing. You just don't need to take a job. There's a difference. So yeah, I think the challenge for us is just, um, I think it's for every recruiting agency, internal TA, external people. It's just getting to candidates and, uh, and, 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 and getting through the funnel is just becoming a massive challenge every day. Amir, what's, what makes your company different from other recruiting agencies that are out there? I mean, there's a lot, as you know, there's a lot of them out there. What makes yours are different? Yeah, we're, we're dime a dozen. Yeah, I, I think for me, I, I don't come from the recruiting world. Um, so I, I, I guess I just came into it without any preconceived notions. I had no idea. Uh, we started as a consulting company. My background is an engineer uh, in, in business intelligence. I started Elevano as a business intelligence consulting company. Just chance and circumstance took us into the recruitment field. So, you know, I, I didn't come from working for a, another agency for half a decade and set up my own shop. I, I literally just, did things the way I wanted to have had them done when I was an engineer. So it does leave us with, you know, slightly different processes than other organizations. Obviously we all operate within similar parameters, but we just kind of approach it, I think, slightly differently. So how has being a technical person helped you disrupt disrupt the recruiting the recruiting industry? 
So I think it's really, I think it, I think what's interesting from my standpoint is when I do get on the phone with people and, and my team uses me a lot to get on speaking with engineering managers and uh, whether it's a, a UX, UI, marketing, I think it doesn't matter because I think I've sat in the other side and I've actually done the job in different capacities and I've had the opportunity to work with internal HR, internal talent people. I've, I've hired people for my own teams previously. I think it gives me a little bit of empathy to understand the challenges internal. And then obviously having an engineering background working in the engineering space does allow me to converse with managers at a different level. Um, so I think those have all given us slight advantages. I think it makes us a little bit different. The scaling of that, I realized, was something that was difficult. So what we did was we took the training program we had and we reverse engineered it to what I would have taught a technical person to do recruiting. So I spent a lot of time helping the staff build up their technical know-how, understand how the audience wants to be engaged. So I think some of like what I what I was good at or am good at, I've tried to build into the fabric of the training. So everybody that gets hired, every person that comes on board gets a slight version of that put into their daily process and their, their recruitment DNA. So you hear on LinkedIn all the time where uh, a developer will say, Hey, you know, these recruiters keep on reaching out to me for roles that don't match. You know, I don't even know these coding language. So I'm a senior developer and they ask me to do developer roles. How does Levano not make the same mistakes? Because it seems like a lot of developers get reached out to HR people and like the roles don't even closely match. Yeah, I, you know what's funny, Jason? I still, to this day, I, I haven't been in the field for a while, but I still get agencies that have had my resume for a decade email me out and ask me if I am interested in a developer role. And, and I think, you know, I look at myself and I sometimes joke to the staff that, yeah, I could probably maybe, you know, brush it up and pass the initial coding screen just for fun. But um, I think, I think what we do slightly differently that helps us is that training police. Uh, we spend a lot of time when we hire someone on identification. I think some of the myths that I even see from internal talent uh, acquisition teams, internal recruiters, external recruiters is there's too, too many people focused on broad recruiting skills and then the actual addressing the expertise of understanding how to qualify somebody from being, a, 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 first of all, a qualified candidate. And then secondly, understanding how good they are within their discipline. There's two different facets. I think there's a lack of training, especially in the agency world, because everyone wants to make money quickly. And, and again, we've spent a lot of time and up the, that we leverage LinkedIn to test people's assessment of understanding not only the technology they're recruiting for, but also the context of whether it fits a particular uh, use case or not. So again, I think training is important. I think that to me is where the biggest gap is from us to the other agencies. And again, I even see that to internal people making that, having that same issue. Amir, is there some type of certification that recruiters can receive? You know, I don't know. I mean, I know there's a ton of certifications out there that, that exist industry standard wise. In terms of a, a certification, let's say if you're focused on technology roles and engineering, I don't know if there's one that would say, hey, this person is an expert at recruiting JavaScript engineers or Java engineers or database you know, developers. I don't know if it gets that granular. I, I think it would benefit the industry if there was some standardization like, you know, coming into a technical engineering recruiting role that my team, whether internal or external, knows that there's a basic competency that I have in conversing with people. And I think that's where you see on LinkedIn where people are like, well, you know, you messaged me for a role that has no relevance just because it was on my resume eight years ago. So I think that's that's a lot of the gap and, and a lot of the pain point. I and and 
you'll see a lot of times on LinkedIn uh, profiles where people are open opportunities, they'll say, third parties do not contact me. And, you know, that's, that's a damning, you know, uh, <laughs> thing to say about agency people where, you know, that, that somebody's just writing the whole, you know, industry off because of the bad experiences they had. Yeah, that's one of my pet peeves with the HR industry. Like, it's like, this is just my point of view. Uh, a person graduates from college, go to HR. First job they usually go to recruiting and they recruit for like a tech roles, have no knowledge, no nothing at all. And within, you know, go recruit some people. And there's no training programs. They have no idea what they're doing. Just like, yeah, that's one of my pet peeves. And it's hard. That's a lot of pressure. Like, you know, if you're a recruiter who's been dropped in and, and every industry has its nuances, I'd say accounting finance has its own nuances, uh, you know, marketing, every, every industry, I, I believe the challenge. So what's interesting to me is if you look at different market sites out of the US, like if you were to look at the UK market, they focus a lot on specialization. So they'll actually recruit specifically for oil and gas and that's it. So they at least understand the context of the industry really well. And then they have teams that, that recruit within different disciplines. In the States, we're very broad generalists. And, and I would, I would, I'm an engineer from my background and I have a hard time being able to recruit dynamic roles in the engineering space. Sometimes I run across something I just don't know. And I've got to go on Wikipedia and brush up on it. But an average recruiter that doesn't have a master's in information systems probably can't grasp like a technical concept right off the fly. It's, it's, it's hard even for me. So I think what you mentioned, I think that that training piece is really where um, I, I think organizations don't spend the time from the external agency part because it's, it's an overhead to profit. And I think internal teams, I think that's where if they, they had a better training program, and again, they have the engineers internal. So I, I always have always thought, I've never been in, you know, held that role, but I've always thought, why, why not have the recruiter start off on the team they're recruiting for, spend a week there, really understand what they do from a fundamental perspective so they can go find similar people with similar backgrounds. That's a great idea. That you had. Yeah, yeah, you had to wonder why to come more people don't do that. That's a wonderful idea. Amir, can Alvano be used for non-technical roles? We are. We actually do. Uh, we we work in a lot of different you know, components as well. So, client, we've done a lot of recruiting roles recently. I think recruiting roles have now become uh, the second most in demand role we work on. And I think they're as hard to recruit for as engineering roles. Uh, we've done a lot of stuff in the creative space now. Um, in the past, we did accounting, finance. We do less of it now. But yeah, I'd say like engineering, creative, and recruitment are like the main areas we actually kind of diversified into. Is Alvano more for like internal recruit, internal company recruiters, or can uh, so-called recruiting agencies also use use your company's platform? Yeah, I, I mean, we we don't partner with a lot of other agencies per se to to like work on like split roles. Part of it is that again, we have a certain way of doing things that wouldn't mesh with a lot of other agencies, just because I don't allow anyone to mass mail out of an applicant tracking system. So every email sent out in the organization is one-to-one. So no one's allowed to go click the nearest 300 people an email. Um, so that would conflict with my own personal philosophy of the industry when it comes to partnering with other agencies. But, you know, pretty much any internal you know, team, you know, we, we're open to partner with anyone. Amir, can you, since you started the company in, I think, 2011, correct? Absolutely. Since that time, can you talk about something positive and negative since that time in the recruiting industry? So I, I think, I think the, the positive has been, I think more people are moving away from just putting a job on 
a job board and waiting. So I've seen most companies move away from that. I'd, I'd actually like them to eliminate it altogether. I, I, we actually stopped spending a penny on job boards because if we're not really waiting for the candidate, we're doing the work, let's not pay for the slot. I, I think that that to me has been the positive trend I'm seeing. I hope it continues. I think the negative is I still think it's the same same issue that we have where uh, the, the belief is the, the third party recruiter is really out just to make the, the fee and that's it. And I think it, until we're able to provide a little bit more value and, and maybe change the perception. I think the external agency world is at threat to other technology, whether it's AI coming down the pike. I mean, there's other engineers trying to solve problems for us. And I think we're actually not solving the problems um, that tech shouldn't be solving. It's process, integrity, transparency. Those are some basic stuff that you can implement for free. So I could be wrong. I think most recruiters charge like 20%, I think, or something around there. 20%. It was up to you. What, what, would, what would the pricing model be? How should that change? I, I, I actually fundamentally believe that's, that's too low. So if you were going to ask me, uh, I, I, think that, I think it should be much higher. I think, I think based on the strength of the labor market, the, the fee should change. Because obviously when, when unemployment is to this level, every candidate has a distinctly higher value to client if they're looking to grow and they need to hire. So I actually think the industry has it wrong. They, I think if I was internal, I'd be like, I pay you 30% to exclusively work for me and bring me the talent because they, I'm looking to hire you know that type of person. So um, yeah, I, I, I also do on the flip side, uh, think that um, some of the agencies that are in long-term relationships should put in a, a tier tier process so that they can go down and, and, and enjoy a longer relationship. Obviously, if you're going to buy and, and work with somebody longer term, you should be you know, establishing a better rate for that client. But yeah, just overall. Amir, how often do you get to keep up with your coding skills? Um, so I have a couple of WordPress sites that we maintain. Uh, and even though we have developers that work with it, I still like to jump in there and uh, fiddle with some of the PHP or JavaScript or HTML. Um, I've really started in the last year uh, growing to uh, enjoy uh, search engine optimization because it kind of gets a little bit technical in terms of uh, the way you look at things. So I don't get to code a whole lot. Um, I did have a client that had a SQL challenge a couple of years ago, about two years ago, and I didn't like it. So I decided to take it just to show them that anybody with a reasonable SQL background should pass it. And uh, I scored a 99% and they emailed us back saying, that candidate you submitted that scored a 99%, we want to talk to, the, talk to that guy. <laughs> and the awkward thing was, I was like, oops, sorry, I didn't mean to use my real name. Um, and, and, but I said, that was the problem. I said, you have these arbitrary you know, coding tests that I haven't been hands-on for a, nearly a decade. I could, I could pass it. So what value does that provide you? So, Mir, how much pushback have you received from the recruiting industry with what you're doing? I, I think everyone, I think all our clients love the way we're doing things. I think the hard part for us has been is to cut through, like, I feel like there's the whole industry and we're a drop of water in the ocean where we're trying to do things in a transparent way. Um, we're trying to be very open. We disclose our company client information really quickly. We actually sometimes disclose who the client is off of the initial email without actually talking to somebody so they can do their due diligence depending on who the client is. So I think we're trying to bring as much transparency as we can into the process. If, if we do submit multiple clients to a candidate to multiple clients, we let everyone know where that, that, that 
candidate is. So everyone's fully aware and it's, you know, it's, it's fully out there. So I think it's very hard to promote that style of business with an industry where it's sometimes it's not the way it's done in other agencies where people are spamming people, mass mailing people. I think the value, some of what we're doing is a little bit lost, but I'm hoping also bring some attention to how, you know, again, a non recruiting person came into the industry and, and who didn't like the way he was headhunted and how, you know, an ideal world, maybe it's, sometimes I'm being ideological about the way I think recruiting should be, but I don't have another uh, fallback in terms of having done it someplace else to go, oh, okay, well, this is how, you know, this is how we could have done it. I, I just don't know that, to be honest with you. Amir, how do candidates or companies find you to work with you? Or do you have a marketing plan that you use? How does that work? Yeah, we, we actually, uh, we're pretty active on social. Um, we've actually noticed a very interesting trend in our, our social uh, activity in the fact that um, I don't get a lot of people, like the engineers that we were producing content for, they don't actually respond back to the content directly. They actually DM or, or send a message back on LinkedIn to, to not comment on it publicly without then the main the main focus is well I don't want my employer to potentially see or recruiter other see that I commented on a recruiter's post and think that I'm looking. So we get a lot of activity that's generated from our, our social media posts. Um, we also do a lot of email marketing. Um, our campaigns are very unique. We we are highly personalized, highly targeted. Again, everything's one to one. So everybody that we message we are uh, distinctly researching and and not just for the basic keyword. Uh, that's that to me is just the beginning. I think it's the context. So understanding how they're using the the you know uh, the technology, the marketing skills, whatever it is, recruitment function, how they're using it in relation to what the client's looking for to make sure that if we can get them on the phone, the fits right, just to save us time and them time. Samir, you know, it's college graduation season right now. What what advice you for have someone either they're graduating, find the first trying to find the first job, or someone changing their jobs or in the job market? What advice would you have for them? So I think this is probably the best time that's ever existed to display your skills to get hired for a job. A the the, the market's strong, and then I think there's multiple social platforms, whether it's blogging, videos, GitHub for your coding. There are so many different platforms to share your expertise and viewpoints. So even if you don't have adapt in what you're looking to do. Um, you can talk about your desire to do it. You can talk about your learning process and document it on, on, on social media, on YouTube, talk about it. And that, that becomes a body of work. I mean, an employer can look at that and go, this person doesn't have the skills, but they're putting in the effort. They can actually go examine it. I, I think that'd be what I would do if I was looking to do something I'd never done before. And I tell people all the time, like, because a lot of you know, college students like, while well, this entry-level job, it says two years experience. Well, I say what they're looking for is some kind of internship, some kind of portfolio, something on GitHub, a blog post, looking for something, anything to say, hey, you're trying to improve your craft. And of course, I don't think a lot of people are getting that. I mean, there, a lot of people aren't using, utilizing social media like they should, in my opinion. And it's, and it's not easy. I, I agree with you. I think, um, I think there's a gap between people who, who want to do something and taking advantage of the tools. And, and I think it's not easy. And sometimes you make it to be a really big thing of starting something. And, and actually, what I've come to realize is we all, we all have a mobile phone. Everyone, everyone has one. All you have to do is literally turn it on and talk about whatever it is that you're trying to get into. You know, if it's, let's say you want to get into the HR space, talk about some new topic on HR, put it on Twitter. Somebody will see it. And uh, 
I think I just re- I, I read yesterday again about uh, you know uh, the first uh, Uber hire who responded to uh, a tweet by the Uber co- you know, founder uh, about hey we need to hire someone. The guy basically said yeah me, and uh, and he became a, a billionaire today um, <laughs> by simply just being proactive and taking advantage of somebody who said uh, you know I'm looking for help and I'm and this guy never done it but he said I'm willing to learn it so. Sometimes it's just that initiative, I think. Yeah, I agree with you. Amir, can you provide your social media links so people for you and your company, some people can reach out to you? Sure, yeah. Um, I think Amir Bormand on, Insta- on LinkedIn and Twitter. I think it's the Amir Bormand on uh, Facebook and Instagram. And then elevano.com, E-L-E-V-A-N-O.com is my uh, business. If you're listening, if we'll have the links in our show notes, and the show notes will be found at www com, And so also be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the Cabin CHO podcast on iTunes and on Amazon Alexa. Amir, can you talk about the vision for your company? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think the vision is we, we want to do better than the existing recruitment services provided. I, I, think that's, I think it's a blanket statement. I think for candidates and clients, I, I, I want the experience in working with us to be obviously better than any other agency, whether you're a client or a candidate. So if I, I think if I could do that, and I think that leverages the components where, you, where transparency or cornerstone of that, then I think I'd be really happy, however big we got as a company. Amir, you know, there's a, uh, I don't know if it's true or not, but there's a, like a myth, a stereotype out there that people change the job like quicker than ever. Now, in my generation, you stay at the same company, you got to go to watch, pension. Nowadays, you think that real life, there's like change jobs every two years. Is that, you find that to be true or what do you see with that? You know, I think it depends on the person. I've seen, I've seen people that are committed to to what they believe in. They want to stay, and I think, I think there's people. I, I think it. Some of it falls on the company. I think if the company is provided an environment where somebody feels fulfilled and they're, you know, in, in improving upon their skills, they're improving upon their life position, career ladder, salary benefits. I think the overall opportunity of company if that's still appealing then a lot, of, a lot of people leave somebody starts looking because there's there's a deficiency somewhere that they need to fulfill whether it's they're just tired of the same job um they're looking for better financial components so i, I still see some people who are a company's long term and you know when i see somebody who's someplace at eight ten years i'm like we're probably not gonna get that person to move but if i see the history every year and a half i'm like this person hasn't found what they're looking for maybe they don't know what they're looking for and i think some of the cornerstone for me is when we're recruiting is trying to understand whether or not the client we're working with can actually help fulfill whatever gap they're looking to meet. When, when should somebody leave their position? You know, I think it, it's difficult. I'm, I'm a big fan of, I don't think, I don't think you should leave unless you really need to. And I think it's different for everyone. I think if, if you're, if you're, if you're, if it's a financial thing, that's different, right? That's a different reason you're going to leave. If it's a dynamic internal where, you know, you can't you can't mesh with your team or your boss and you've you've brought it up and you've taken some steps internally to to remedy it or or maybe culturally they've shifted i think there's so many different factors that goes into why someone should leave but i think there's needs to be a distinct reason and i think someone should try to solve i think it's a relationship right i think an employer employee it's a relationship just like any other relationship you have you need to work on it and if you're bringing to attention the issues you have in your relationship maybe one side can address it i think if it's unaddressable then then you need to start looking and, and to, to to find a relationship that that's better for you long term 
Amir, we're coming to the end of our talk. Can you give our listeners any wisdom or advice, any subject you want to talk about? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, just kind of touching on like the employer brand and, 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 and what people are looking for. I think the interesting thing that I've noticed now that I'm working in the recruiting industry, and sometimes I try to put myself in the shoes, are candidates. And I have a hard time sometimes understanding the why of a, a specific client or, or another. And we do a lot of due diligence. We dive in. We try to read as much as we can. And then I put myself in the shoes of somebody who's just dropping onto that career page and trying to figure out what the company's about, whether or not, you know, everyone wants to do their own research, whether I should be working. And it's really hard sometimes. And I think we do a good, we do as good a job as we can conveying that. But I think I, I love to see a shift in the way career portals are structured so that they tell stories versus snapshots. I think we're still stuck in the, older school mentality of what marketing means, trying to defy branding and culture within, you know, snapshots of words. And I think the candidates struggle trying to find those answers. And what happens is they end up going to other sites. They go to Glassdoor and you better hope your Glassdoor is tidy because if they go to Glassdoor and there's, there's some dirty laundry being aired, that's the perception that they have with the company. I have a lot of candidates that drop out because that's where they get their viewpoint of what it's like to work someplace. And I think that's a massive risk for, you know, in, you know, companies really. Amir, thank you for your time today. I really appreciate it. You're doing a lot of great things. So I really appreciate your time today. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. To our listeners, thank you for your time as well. And remember to be great every day. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Cabinet HR Podcast. Be sure to connect with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, and TikTok at Cabinet HR. Also check out our weekly live streams at the Cabinet HR Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, and Periscope, where we focus each week on an HR topic important for small business. These are every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time and last around three minutes. To join our weekly HR email newsletter list, send us an email to jasonkavnis at kavnishr.com. Thank you, and remember to be great every day.